conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to Good Morning Hospitality, your one-stop shop for the latest news, noteworthy trends, and thought-provoking discussions across the industry. From hotels and short-term rentals to all things travel and hospitality, you'll find each episode equips you with the information that you need to start your week. Join us on Good Morning Hospitality every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Great new video. Good morning. I, I was going to say, we're kicking off 2023 with a brand new video and voice for the show. So thanks to Zach from Behind the Stays doing that uh, intro for us. So good to see your faces. I new know. New us. Yeah, I, I feel very you. positive about 2023. I feel good vibes. <laughs> Is it like a, like, oh, we have to feel positive because there's a lot of gloom or you actually feel positive? Cause I actually feel positive. I like had a good kind of like reflection period over the new year. And I was like, you know what? I feel 2022 had, I was a real roller coaster. So I feel like this yeah. is, I feel, I feel good. <laughs> okay. As long as it's a real feel good, I'm going to be. It's a real feel yeah. good. I wouldn't lie All right. to you. All right. Thank God. <laughs> How are you, Michael? How are you feeling? I'd say I'm probably somewhere in between uh, where it sounds like you are, Will, and where Brandy is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very, very optimistic. There's a lot of really, really cool and fun things in the pipeline, uh, but there's also a lot of uncertainty. And you know, is the market going to crash or is it going to turn around? Um, yeah. So we'll find out. Part of uh, part of our news today folds into that. But first, Will, how do you feel? I feel great uh internally i feel great for what we all like you said it wasn't the pipeline there's obviously some outside factors but you know i'm not trying to focus on those just trying to focus on what we can control and you know we can control you know our stuff and what we do as a business and podcast so i'm just gonna stick on that train love it well yeah. in terms of news we we've got a really fun and deep dive topic today but uh, in terms of where funding ended in 2022 versus 2021, it was down drastically. Um, there was only 40% of the total funding raised in 2022 than there was in 2021. And the, the vast majority of that went to later stage companies. Hopper, Evolve got $100 million. Guesty got $170 million. Placemaker, Landing. It was big checks going to 
fairly well or very well established companies. Um, there were, while we covered a lot of startup investments, there were obviously a vast majority fewer than there were in 2021. So hopefully that deep freeze, uh, you know, gets thawed out, but we talked about it a lot last year, the capital markets, um, money rolls downhill and, and VC capital is, uh, one of the last to be deployed. So let's see where, where things shape up. Um, you know, profitability is key and investing in the right areas is key as our topic will tell us today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, the big topic today, obviously, as a lot of our viewers can see on our, our live or the title of the show, um, you know, uh, Southwest had a pretty, pretty costly uh, holiday season, to say the least. They had one big mistake, which was lack of tech that was able to support uh, a storm slash now operations of scheduling their team. So I actually want Brandy. She sent over uh, a great podcast, actually, that um, really summarized the overall kind of nightmare that, that it was uh, with Gimlet Media and the journal. But Brandy, I'll let you kind of kick off with some of the details there going into, you know, Southwest uh, nightmare holiday season. Yeah, I thought so. The it's a Wall Street Journal podcast. It's really great. They, you know, it starts off with kind of the general conundrum that all the airlines were in going into the Christmas travel week, which is you know one of the busiest of the year, and you have just this massive continental-sized storm hitting pretty much every area of the continent. So there's just no, you know. That's kind of like a nightmare scenario for really any transportation company, anyone that needs to move about anywhere. Um, so I think you with the they start talking about how in the beginning stages of the storm, you know, all the airlines are having it's all the same story. Your flights are getting canceled. You're maybe not able to get rebooked because the, the cancellations compound. And then, you know, that's just kind of expected. It's not great, but there is no, all the airlines are feeling that. And then a couple of days after the storm kind of settles, all the other airlines have sorted themselves out and things are back to normal except for Southwest. And you just start seeing rolling cancellations. And it got up to, I think it's over 16,000 flights were canceled. It was 70% yeah. of their flights. And yeah. so it's like, you know, you think, okay, the weather's gone and all the other airlines, you know, even Spirit <laughs> have managed to get there. <laughs> you know, no shade to Spirit, well, some shade. <laughs> but, um, but like, you know, everybody else has kind of gotten their house in order. And so why is it that Southwest is still struggling? And so they dive into the problem being the um, technology that they use to, um, you know, schedule and organize all of their crews, which is called Sky Solver. And apparently mm -hmm. it's kind of an outdated piece of equipment or a piece of technology that they've delayed updating. And so when one, when it started to break down and they were unable to schedule their flight, you know, their crew accordingly, it just started to snowball. And then another interesting part was the way that Southwest routes all their flights. And this is something that I learned, you know, they don't have a hub necessarily. You'll fly from, you know, 
LA to Denver to Detroit or, you know, some sort of like there's several stops and then they kind of make their way back where you might fly, you know, Atlanta is a Delta hub and Miami is an American hub. So you kind of have that central point where you can recollect yourself and kind of get organized and Southwest doesn't have that. So when things settled down, their crews were everywhere. And so they talk about how they were literally just shuttling crews around the country to get them where they needed to be to start their routes again. And then they go into the debacle of just like all the luggage, like people's, I mean, it was just, you know, people didn't have their luggage for four or five days. So it's just really interesting when you see a company that is, you know, kind of seemingly so well run, just totally melt down. And the losses are wild. It's over $800 million. And that's just to correct this. And then mm-hmm. you have on top of it, what it's going to cost to kind of prevent this from happening in the future. Yeah, and or lawsuits, tech upgrades, mm-hmm. firings, heads rolling. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be the CTO at Southwest. No, yeah. it's about to be a tough time. <laughs> well, the two things that caught me off guard through this story, kind of listening to that podcast and, and doing some research before this episode was, I thought they were based in Dallas. So for me, to for them not to have that hub, even though they're like, a, I think, a Dallas-based airline, they're not really hubbed in dallas when you kind of pointed out their route system which was interesting to me be like okay that's weird uh that they wouldn't have that but then the the technology side i looked up sky solver and i couldn't find any information on it so i'm assuming it's their own technology that they just created in-house and have never changed since i don't know 20 years uh which is shocking because um not to throw shade at airlines today but i was watching some other industry uh, related show and they were talking about united in 2025 is coming out with all this updates and it was like updates that all these other airlines delta you name it have already and it was like oh okay 2025 and you're gonna finally catch up to the current operating standard so to see that their tech is in that same spot um you know we talk about this a lot and we have a lot of after doing some like kind of you said, Brandy, we had a good reflective time over the holidays to go over the show and add some changes and go over plans and goals. But we know a lot of our listeners, a lot of our viewers are big name companies. They are big operators in the space from hotels to short-term rentals, you name it. And what can we learn from this? There's a lot. And the big one was tech. And I think, you know, not to beat the technology conversation into the ears of our, our listeners, but it is an important thing as we all know, uh, Michael, you guys are going through some tech uh, stuff with uh, story, just looking at your guys' technology and how you're going to build out from the the company to Sextant has changed property management softwares multiple times and <laughs> all this other stuff. So like we all get it, but technology is not an understatement because this is exactly what can happen when you don't give it the focus that it needs. Yeah, so. I, I think there's... And tying it back to hospitality, I think there's three big takeaways. One is build versus buy. And uh, it looks like Southwest built their own. Uh, Don't have that 100% confirmed. When you build your own, you have to continuously invest in it. And clearly, they did not continuously invest in it. Their, Their own team admitted that their tech was outdated. They knew it was outdated. And they just did nothing about it. Second is the density and concentration to Brandy's point, every other airlines in the world has a kind of spoken wheel where they have a central hub. 
which can bail you out in instances that you need pilots or that there's plane shortages. You, you just roll another one out of the hangar. When you don't have any of that, then it can, it sounds like a great idea to investors. Like, yeah, we don't have to have a hub. Every airport's our hub until something goes, goes south. Um, and then the last piece, and I'll, I'll tie this into um, short metals in particularly, but an over-reliance on one thing, and in this case, an outdated piece of tech in the short metal industry, an over-reliance on Airbnb is a problem. Um, you know, if, if this happened with Airbnb and their software melted down for 11 days, that's $180 million of revenue that would not flow into everybody's pockets. Mm-hmm. If it melts down, people can't stay, no one's collecting money. And it's a cash flow business, as we all know. So without 11 days of cash flow, doesn't matter what month, that's going to be extremely detrimental to the annual bottom line. So mm-hmm. a lot of fun learnings here and glad it's uh, it's none of us that's dealing with this issue, but it is avoidable. You're going a decade without updating your technology is asinine. Um, I, there's a lot of people who want to build their own tech. <laughs> no, don't do it. I I actually remember I had this was many years ago, maybe like five years ago. I was talking with someone at a roundtable at some conference from Vacasa, and I guess he had been on the team making building their accounting software because I was in the phase where I was still doing our accounting, and I was like, you know, QuickBooks isn't cutting it, and you know, and he we were talking kind of having the same conversation on a much like kind of simpler level, but he was like, you shouldn't be doing that until you have to, and I have some sympathy for these airlines, you know, there aren't a lot of airlines, right? And so you might, there might not be the technology that you need and it might make sense. But to Michael's point, if you're not, you know, continuously, you should just have a whole team that's dedicated to improving that on like a constant basis. Um, And, you know, these, we think that our operations are complex and they are, especially, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces. And so I definitely have and there's sympathy for them because it's even more complex when you're an airline. There's so many more things that can go wrong, but because you're providing basically a public service, I think that the bar or the standard for your operations has to be very high and that you, you know, everybody messes up, but you can't really mess up if you're like a public utility basically. Yeah. And I'm sure Brandy Sextant is, had offers from building owners all over the country saying, come manage this place, come, come do this for us. And clearly you guys have held them off or held them at bay. Uh, Despite what I'm sure your real estate team or you or Andreas might want to take on more properties, more revenue, et cetera. Why is that a bad idea? And tie that back into Southwest. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So we kind of have the, I guess the standard airline model where they have the hub and, you know, all their operations are centrally based. So for us having, you know, South Florida, it's not, it's, you know, three cities, West Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and there's a lot in the middle there, but it allows us to have like one central base and then there's New Orleans. So we have these centers and we can add more properties there and really utilize our teams there, where if we had 
one 15 unit building in Austin and a 50 unit building in Nashville or whatever, and we didn't have enough to justify having a large central operations, then I think you have similar things like this. There's a little bit of a breakdown, the costs, um, you know, are still pretty significant, but you don't have the revenue coming in. There is a lot to be said about going a mile deep and really having a solid base for operations. It allows you to adapt, I think, a lot quicker or more quickly to, you know, you know, unforeseen circumstances like mm-hmm. a snowstorm that takes over the entire continent. <laughs> yeah. Look, there's there's nothing more annoying to me than every three or 4,000 miles getting an oil change on my car and spending that money. And you, you, you know, it's good for you, but you don't ever really see the results. The results are that nothing bad or you're preventing bad things from happening. Mm-hmm. Same with investing in software or making sure your tech stack is up to date and, and solid, or you're working with the right people. Like you have to just continuously invest in it. It's a maintenance item. Um, you know, if you're not, your car is going to start to smoke and Mm -hmm. then there's going to be some problems and it's much, much more expensive. And in this case, $800 million more expensive than have they, had they just done this at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of had, when we switched, I mean, I always joke about us switching our property management software, but it's not done lightly. And, you know, when ultimately, I mean, I've been you know, Andreas and I are making those decisions. It affects everybody at the company. And there might be some people that are like, I don't understand why we're switching. It doesn't seem like anything's broken. And maybe for their department, it's working fine. But you have to kind of take a step back and be like, it's going to be painful. And it's, you know, we might have, there might be some losses from, some, you know, from a slight dip in revenue or whatever it is while you make that change. But here are all the reasons why we need to do it because the bigger we get, the more cumbersome this is. And that's some, like some advice I've given over the last couple of years is if you're, if you can see that you're going to be growing to a certain number of properties and you know right now that to meet that goal, your system <laughs> will not be able to handle it, make the switch while you're smaller because everything just gets, I mean, if Southwest had done something differently 10 years ago, they were still a decent sized company, but it will be a much le- a much smaller headache, slightly smaller headache relatively than whatever it's going to take to implement a new system right now. Well, I think the big thing too, for a lot of our listeners are operators, whether it's hotels or short-term rentals. And the big thing is we need to, I don't think you need to like evaluate your technology stack every day where you need to be like, all right, are we switching? Are we switching? Are we going to, are we going to shop? You don't need to do that every day, but you do need to, I think, understand you're the operator. And as much as technology companies like to say that they're going to be innovating the way that we think about operations and technology, we are the operator. So you need to be the ones that kind of hold them accountable to that higher standard of technology. But like, look, there's out of five, it's a three. And here's what you need to do to get this software to a five, because a three is okay, but a three is not okay when again, a a huge storm like this comes in and then it shuts down everything. It's like I was um, talking to the Breezeway folks just over the weekend or not the weekend, but uh, last week and going over is like this. Imagine if all the short-term rental companies had Breezeway shut down for 11 days like this that are dependent on it. They just published their wrapped and they had like hundreds of thousands of tasks and all these automations and like that. They just did this last year. And imagine if that wasn't able to be done and, now we have no one in place from a human standpoint 
that can come in and create a manual system for operating. That's yeah, pretty. Yeah. Sorry. And that example also, like you don't understand necessarily those, there's some basic things. Yeah. The operations don't get organized. Like the cleaning schedule has to be done by hand for that day or that week, but there's then the rippling repercussions are okay. Well, some of your owners are billed by the amount of hours, like salaries are divided up based on the time that's spent cleaning each of these rooms, or there are, you know, like there's the financial side with the way that you're billing. So like that could have cascading effects onto your PL for the month and what you're charging your owners. And these things just continue to ripple out. So yeah, I um, I definitely feel bad for the entire kind of like leadership team uh, on the tech side of Southwest. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not over for them. Yeah. I mean, to, to tie this back into the industry news that startup funding is down, uh, well, it's down 60%. They only raised 40% of total funding from 2021. Startups are vital to have legacy companies improve their technology. They either acquire the startup and roll in their new thoughts or new ideas or new processes, or they just improve on it themselves and steal ideas from from the little guy. If funding into startups slows exponentially, then technology improvements will also slow exponentially. And, you know, that's okay for a year or two, but if, if that goes on for too long, then legacy systems start to break and, and the whole ecosystem goes down. Again, if Airbnb had a meltdown like this or, Guesty or Opera had, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Breezewave. If any of those had meltdowns, there's enough users on those to really, really impact lots and lots of people, like 16,000 flights during the holidays. You got to feel bad for those travelers, too. Um, you know, one of my good friends, I talked to him yesterday. He said he drove from, uh, he, was supposed to fly from Dallas to Oregon, got a flight to New Mexico, and then ended up just driving from New Mexico to Oregon. Like (laughs) insane during winter storms and everything, right? So these things impact our guests and the the level of service they're getting. So it's not just a publicly traded bottom line, you know, stock. Mm -hmm. And, And Will, I think you said before the show, the stock is only down like 6% or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was in there. Um, there's an article that I'll reference to in the show notes that showcase that they all, even though there was over 800 million in damages of, you know, refunds and all this other stuff and just trying to correct the mistake, it was just a 6% impact on their stock, which was insane to me. Yeah. Um, but not a public yeah. markets guy, but feels like it should be a little worse. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I also one of the things I saw on across a couple of articles is that they're trying to um, like calm people down with points and yeah. giving them miles and things like that. And I that just reminds me um, when COVID hit, I was supposed to be going to Georgia and Romania and Turkish air was like, we can refund you your trip in Turkish miles. They're good for one year. And I was like, no, I don't want miles. I want my money back. And this is an even more egregious situation than that was. But I mean, miles, miles do not calm down a person who's missed Christmas with their family, who has like two toddlers melting down, lost their luggage. Like, 
Yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough. Well, they're situation. never playing Southwest again. No, no. I was Except, just going to say. Know, I bet people will because everyone's like, I'm never just like the people who are like, I'm never going to fly spirit again. I mean, I've taken that oath unless it's desperate, but there sometimes like you just, the attention and memory of people is pretty short, I think, but I've taken that oath with frontier and spirit and I have never gotten back on it. It, (laughs) When, when frontier canceled my flight and they said the next one's three days later and they're not offering like hotel stay or anything. Nope. No. Never again. Never ever again. So well, what surprises me is that they can get away with that. I'm been, the most shocking thing I've ever been surprised about from the whole travel hospitality industry. Working at hotels, refunds happen every day. Front desk, oh yeah, you're pissed off because there was a hair on your pillowcase, or um, maybe the maid missed a, a towel in the bathroom. Here you go. Here's a free night, or here's your full trip refunded. Yeah. Short term rentals. I see a lot of people do the same thing, but hotel or airlines get away with just giving points or a credit uh, i got a delay what airline was i on i think it was american i was on a delayed flight and it kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed and eventually it's two in the morning and i now i know i'm gonna get home in denver at like four or five o'clock and i won't have a train to get home so i have to call an expensive uber i was already frustrated and tired and pissed off and then we all got an email that we got a ten dollar credit that we can use on the flight a ten dollar credit and i was like are you kidding me like for that nine dollar beer (laughs) yeah i was like but if imagine you're not able to check into your hotel at the check-in time at four o'clock and you have to wait a couple hours they're gonna refund you some money airlines get away with just slipping that whole refund and and financial aspect which i'm getting like i'm getting myself all worked up from it just thinking (laughs) about like how they can get away with that is insane to me it's insane and now i know they're under investigation through i forget what department of the government but um basically they're going on transportation yeah uh they're going through a a big investigation that like something like this should not be able to be made up by credits Twenty-five thousand miles to me means nothing i will never use them and i will move over to another airline so that's a good point and i think for people that don't travel a lot they accept it and that's that but if you know the rules, you can keep saying no mm-hmm. until you get to the biggest number. Um, if if your flight is delayed, and, and this isn't going to be exact, but let's let's speak uh, anecdotally here. If your flight's delayed by four hours or more, then they're required to give you like up to twenty five percent or fifty percent of your ticket price value, but. When you call and complain, they'll be like, oh, great. Here's a $100 that you can use towards your next one. Like, no thanks, don't want it. And then you say, I, I want 1000 And then they're like, well, we can't do that. It's it. You just negotiate. And it shouldn't be like that, though. Like, you, you messed up. You're the operator. You messed up. You should refund people. Like, that's what blows my mind. Everyone else has to do it. And airlines think they can get but away it, with it. But, but they can get away with it because most people yeah. don't know. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, from an operator standpoint, like speaking to like the refund line item on our financial statements, like, I mean, people can and people know that now and people complain about if you just say anything, there's like always, you know, there's like a there's a 
the con artisty aspect to the system. But something that kind of now impacts, you know, a lot of the people on the lodging side when something like this happens. Now, if your guests manage to arrive at your destination, they are already starting off their trip on the worst possible note. So anything, the slightest thing that is wrong in your entire setup from check-in instructions to check out like if there's something wrong they are going to notice it they're going to complain it's going to be exacerbated by this awful travel experience and then if you're the lodging partner like some sort of hotel at the airport you're just dealing with the blowback from this whole meltdown from whatever side you're on and so i feel like i'm sure plenty of people had guests arrive and just were in foul moves moods over christmas because of this well, it, I was going to say is to speak to the point of trust. It doesn't like obviously give or take whether you fly a lot or you don't. A majority of people will probably never fly Southwest again. And if they do, it'll be like because they have to. They have no choice, right? It's the only flight. Michael, you're on mute if you're talking, by the way. Um, but, uh, you know, you're the only option, so they'll do it. Well, I think this does play into like you were just saying, Randy, the ripple effect of trust now this has on every aspect of the industry is pretty important. Now people are going to be a little bit more on edge and it's going to make the, I don't know for the amount of traction that vacation rentals have gotten in the travel sector now over the last, you know, two years, I would say is really has been really important and really big strides, but this can be all tampered with because of bad experiences and lack of trust now based off of something like this. Um, not to us directly, but indirectly, I would, I would say. Yeah. I mean, during COVID, it was like a game traveling. Like, is this flight going to be canceled? Are they going to close this route down or yeah. whatever? You don't want that during the holidays, right? Especially like the first holidays where COVID's not the main topic of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's going to sting people for, for quite a while. Um, the, the moral of the story, I, I think, you know, to, to recap it all again, don't build your own tech if you can <laughs> absolutely positively avoid it, um, uh, have contingency plans. It don't, don't be over-reliant on any one thing. Um, you know, basic computer stuff, back up your hard drive, right? Like do, <laughs> do the things that you, you might think like, ah, I'll do that another day. Um, but another day could cost you $800 million if you're Southwest. Um, and, and density does help. It, it's very helpful in accommodations. And now I think it's evident that it's helpful in, uh, in airlines as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, also learn how to operate. If your tech goes out, you know, what do you have to do? All right, just get down to it instead of shuffling around and being like, well, uh, it's broken. So I don't know what's weird. No one, that's a societal question, Will. Like, you can't, if your phone dies and you just landed in a city, you don't, I bet you don't even know where you're staying, much less (laughs) like how to get there or how to get in. It's, we're, we definitely have a, an over-reliance on technology, but continue. You know what? Next time this happens, they should call the three of us in. We'll solve it. It'll be Easy. It'll be piece of cake. Southwest, you can hire us. It's a million dollars a day. <laughs> save you money. 
It's too good. Well, it's good to be back. I'm excited to cover more stories like this with you guys uh, in the future. Hopefully not $800 million mistake stories, but, you know, some big industry stuff. It's always important to cover. Um, Yeah, a couple quick announcements before we wrap up the episode, just so everyone is aware. We are doing an awesome discussion on our predictions for the rest of the year. We're going to cover... Um, some of the greatest names and faces in the industry. And we're all going to share predictions and insights on hospitality in 2023. Uh, Everything is linked in the show notes. Make sure you like and subscribe to all that. And then that's about it on my end. Oh, wait, this awesome merch that we're wearing, you know, Uh, people can get that on our, uh, what do you call it? Merch store, our online store, Shopify. Um, We have some phone cases and mugs and hoodies. (laughs) I'm merchless a, right now. I have to fix. That. I know <laughs> we gotta we gotta get Brandy some T-shirts because she's in Miami, so hoodies don't they don't work over there very no. well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll make sure everything's in the show notes. So thank you guys for tuning in, all of our live viewers. We appreciate you, and we see you online, and we'll see you all again next week.